I'm Jason Van Metting. And I'm Ksenia Chmutina. Welcome to Disasters Deconstructed Podcast. Ksenia, you were recently in New Zealand with JC and the gang, weren't you? I was, yeah, it was so much fun. It was great. You've been traveling a lot, actually. Yeah. I may, yeah. I may too much? Have done, yeah. Too much, yeah. I've got a perpetually jet-lagged. I've been perpetually jet-lagged for the last six weeks, I think. Wow, that sucks. Yeah, but it's okay. I'll live. You know, there are there are worse things to do um, in the world. I, you know, I love it. I, I enjoy it. I love kind of meeting people and talking to people. So it's always great. Yeah. Well, we, and we thought when you were over in New Zealand, it would be a good chance to sit down with JC and some of the others over there in Auckland to talk about the manifesto, which is, yes. for anybody that doesn't know, we've mentioned it a few times before, but um, we're referring to the, um, the, what we call the Disaster Studies Manifesto. Um, it's available online. Maybe you can tell us a bit more about that, Ksenia, just to give us context for this episode. Yeah, so when I was in Auckland um, a few weeks ago, basically, well, JC, who started this whole idea of the manifesto, and he will be talking about it in the interview, um, he was obviously in Auckland together with some other people who kind of helped this to happen. So it was great to catch them up all together. So it was uh, Loic Deleu and um, Jay Kadag, who also contributed significantly to it, you know, together with many other people in disaster studies. So the manifesto is called... Uh, Power, Prestige, and Forgotten Values. It is available online. You know, if you follow us, we've tweeted about it and we will tweet more about it. Mm. And it's now located on iPetition's um, website. So it's been signed by over 300 people at the moment, which is great. And, you know, the, the, our idea is not have to have it as a petition. It's more of a statement where people can um, read and engage with it and sign should they wish to agree with us. But basically, this manifesto is like a collective um, that shows our intentions uh, to conduct a more respectful, a more kind of genuine research between the local, in quotation marks, and external, in quotation marks, researchers. And again, in this interview, we'll be talking about it. So, yeah, that's what I did, basically. I got Jason... Oh, Jason. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I got JC, Loic, and Jake in the same room and talked to them about that. Okay, cool. Well, um Hope everybody enjoys this. And I think we're going to probably revisit the manifesto in the future as well, because there's other plans to try to leverage this to actually um, achieve other wider impacts in our research field, isn't there? Right. Yeah. And again, I think JC is talking about it a little bit in the interview, but watch this space for more um, for more news. And also, I should mention that those people who have signed the manifesto, they, they're on the email list now, so they, they get information um, when and as it comes. Okay, brilliant. Well, thanks for doing this interview when you were over in New Zealand. I'm looking forward to listening. Yeah, sorry, it's just me. <laughs> <laughs> it suits me. I, I didn't have to be there. Hello. Hello. 
Hello from rainy, uh, wet Auckland. So we are, it's quite rare that we actually get to talk to guests in person. So it's really nice to be in Auckland. Thank you, JC, again. Sorry for the weather. <laughs> yeah, that. Mm. So we've got JC Guylard, Loic Lede, and Jay Kadek. Thank you guys uh, very much for, you know, spending your time and talking to me about the manifesto. So... I'm going to ask you a few questions about the manifesto um, because it's quite interesting, I guess, for everyone to know how it came about and you know why we're all uh, signing up for this. So, JC, what motivated you to push the manifesto forward? Uh, first, uh, hello, everyone. Uh, I feel like a, a regular now. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, yes, uh, do you want the hidden story or do you want the um, just uh, the tip of the iceberg? No, I want the hidden story. Uh, okay. We want all the dark secrets to come out now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's, there's been a lead up to this to this process, obviously, and it's not something that popped out of the blue early this year. Um, I've mean, been a series of publications uh, over the past uh, four, three, four years, starting with um, the infamous Gold Rush paper, uh, which was, I think, for for some of us the first kind of thinking we put into how we do research and uh, how we um, behave in the field, how we uh, interact with fellow researchers within our um, own homes, but as well elsewhere in the world. And that ultimately uh, led to this paper published last year in Disasters, the so-called Inside Out paper, which summarized some ideas um, from the 40th anniversary of disasters event. Um, <laughs> Could Siri contribute to, to this important yeah, discussion? Odd, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, why not? <laughs> yeah, so we had this 40th uh, anniversary of disasters event in, in London uh, a couple of years ago. Um, and ideas kind of um, shipped a bit further afterwards um, and culminated in this paper uh, in Disasters for the Anniversary issue, um, published uh, between late last year and, and early this year. Mm. Um, and, and this paper triggered some discussion, I think, for, uh, for the better or the worse, I'm not too sure. Uh, but immediately afterwards, I was I was in the UK. Uh, I was in Nathborough, and then afterwards, I went to to Copenhagen, and we had a couple of seminars there. And um, it was interesting to see uh, positive feedback, especially from uh, young researchers, um, PhD students, and and, and early career uh, academics. And uh, I was kind of energized by that personally. Uh, which is not what I was kind of sensing uh, from from mm. the from the mailing list, and from the discussions we had on, on Radix and, and, and Iraq and a few others, and um, we we felt I mean we we had this kind of informal discussions and we felt that it was it was probably a time for uh, publishing papers and and ranting about things but trying to 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 pull our energies together and and try to move on and get. Uh, things changed in the field not just mm. about i mean ranting and criticizing but but yeah. not, not not changing so that that was the point i think for um for the manifestos so i i, I really want to 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 pitch this as a collective endeavor i mean and and i um, mean jake loic you were part of the the very discussions in in in, in drafting the document so um yeah this is how it came about Basically, so pulling 
together mid care researchers, I would say, and, mm. and, and, and early care researchers. But the idea was really uh, not to involve in the first place uh, our mentors, uh, not because we dismissed their, uh, their contribution and relevance, because they've inspired us in the first place, mm. but I personally feel that we haven't lived up to their expectations. So I felt like it was our responsibility to, uh, to step up mm. and, and, to, and to meet their expectations. So that's why in the first place, uh, the idea was to, to, to only pull together people, I feel, and sorry if, if people feel kind of offended by that, but I feel like we, and the people who I feel haven't, delivered what we were meant to deliver yeah, or, or yeah. what we kind of commit for but not fully uh, fully actually meet so that that was the idea for having this bunch of mid-career mid-career researchers uh, early care researchers but established already uh, like yourself Xenia and, and, and Jason and a few others like uh, so basically yeah that was that was um, our stepping up probably and, and trying to uh, live up to the expectations of our mentors. And it was pretty hard, just kind of drafting the text was difficult, wasn't it? There were like so many discussions about the words we use and why we use them and still not perfect, but I guess we'll, we'll get there. I mean, it's writing with 60 hands. That's always too, too, too many cooks. Um, yeah. But Jake, Loic, so you were one of the first people to actually sign the manifesto. Why, why, why did you sign it? You know, what's in it for you? Oh. You're good. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, my, yeah, I, I was Jake's, uh, and I'm still Jake's student up to now. And since, I mean, the first time we met, it's 2009, 2000, uh, 2007, 2008 in the Philippines. Partner in crime, you're supposed to say. You know, I've, I've learned <laughs> yes. this week. I'm so honored to have that kind of uh, <laughs> <Special> entitlement. Also <laughs> <laughs> now. But uh, the, um, I, Jason and I were, were talking about it and with other colleagues, uh, especially when we do field works, you know, this kind of... Uh, 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 thing about uh, the, the problem uh, that we encounter when we do our research. Um, I, I, JC, I think we also talked about, or you tried to even go beyond the uh, research by the locals, but uh, you also proposed, I remember that thing about um, the authorship, uh, the research should be can also be authored by, by the local people in the community, those mm -hmm. who are non-academics, but are but we considered, as we always say in our research, experts in the, in the community. I don't know what happened there, but uh, maybe we can go back to that discussion later. But yeah, I think the manifesto is uh, like challenges uh, uh, our practice of research. And uh, the practice is, uh, of course, how we do research, but uh, where we kind of contradict uh, what we are actually fighting for, you know, you say like um, like when we do research, we always say, or in our in our our argument is always, I think many 
many researchers would argue, would, would agree that uh, local knowledge is important. It's uh, uh, the, the, the people in the communities are experts, but um, we end up uh, with outputs and outcomes that do not actually, you know, uh, benefit them. Mm, like, right, um, yeah, <clears throat> too often. Uh, so I, I feel that too often, you know, we end up with, uh, with publications uh, usually in English, and we don't know what happens mm. after that. Maybe some NGOs would pick it up and then translate it to something useful for the community, but we actually don't know what's happening. Yeah. Um, and I think that this this manifesto is uh, um, it's like um, a reiteration of uh, maybe I don't know if you would agree with me, but uh, a reiteration of what Robert Chambers is uh, was saying uh, some time ago. Some, uh, yeah, quite you know, decades uh, ago. Yeah. Uh, quite for quite some time, you know, the, putting the last first uh, yeah. argument. But I think this manifesto goes beyond that. It, that it tries to um, you know, questions the very structure of the academy, when, especially when we do research. So I guess that's um, that's uh, that uh, really that that's what really interests me in this in this uh, in this uh, I would say movement or work. JC and uh, our colleagues is working are working cool thanks Jake and yeah Jason for you you know on the background JC is making teeth and trying to kind of <laughs> to manage this it's really quite entertaining to watch uh, should have video recorded this you know <laughs> rather than audio recorded right. um, but yeah back to back to manifesto like what about you you know is is manifesto a political statement for you you know or <laughs> Just to go back to what yeah, Jake sure. was saying, uh, I mean, I think it's it's also one of the reasons why um, I was very you know, happy to be part of that. I mean, it, first, it didn't come as a surprise because I think it's been something we've been uh, <coughs> discussing for some time. I mean, it's been yeah part of our discussions on how we do things on the field and, and, and so on. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's, it's very much in line with, uh, at least, you know, personally with my approach and I mean, Mm -hmm. I know that's the case of Jake and obviously JC, but the, the kind of approach we have um, on the fields that draws a lot on, you know, participatory mm -hmm. approaches and tools and doing things, um, you know, it is about people, it is uh, for them, uh, it has to be done by them and, and not just on them or about them. You know? so, so this whole idea, uh, I think, is very much reflected in the manifesto, and that's that's to me that's the main reason why it, it does make sense you know, mm. to uh, to to try to push forward this. Uh, I don't know if we can say an agenda. Hopefully, uh, mm. this research agenda. So yeah, that that what drives drives the motivation of most of the people who sign. That's why I don't want to speak on their behalf, but I have the feeling that's that's a big part of of this. So it is really a political statement, you know, because we're, it will challenge quite a lot of um, things that, that are normative, you know, things that are established. So do you think there will be or, you know, has already been some kind of backlash in what we're trying to do here? I mean, the, 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 the worst backlash, I think, 
we experienced was after the uh, the very early uh, Gold Rush paper a few years mm. ago when one of the reviewers told us that we are probably drunk when we wrote the paper. <laughs> Great. Uh, <laughs> and it was interesting back then because the inside story was that half of the reviewers uh, from uh so-called wealthy countries were pushing back against the paper and then the reviewers from less wealthy countries were supporting the paper so we ended up mm -hmm. with uh, a split kind of decision which was interesting so after having overcome that uh which was quite interesting i think that the the feedback we've received to the manifesto uh was quite constructive and supportive mm -hmm. and um Interestingly, I think everything which has been discussed in the mailing list, whether again it was Radix or or or, or, yeah. uh, or Iraq or, or John Twig's uh, uh, mailing list, uh, it, it, I mean these were all points we discussed amongst ourselves, right? Yeah. When we when we wrote the document, when we drafted the document, um, this kind of blurry border between the inside and the outside, especially. I mean, I think most, if not all, of us uh, authors or, or primary authors of the manifesto. Yeah feel like we don't have a single home or a single place where we feel comfortable yeah. doing research, right? I mean, the two of us hold two passports, Xenia, uh, Loic, you live in New Zealand. Soon. Uh, soon. soon two passports, being French, having strong connections to Peru. Um, Jake trained in half in France, half in the Philippines, but doing some work elsewhere as well. Mm. Uh, it's most, most, if not all of us. So um, we had discussed these issues and we were conscious of everything that has been raised and I'm so grateful that all these people who raise these issues raise them in a constructive perspective so uh, we didn't want to be antagonistic I think in, in writing the document and there was so much care uh, put in the wording that I think it, it's fine in the end but at the same time we couldn't be too uh, ambivalent somehow and mm. because we want to trigger that reaction we want people to think about it so we needed to be and to, to strike the right balance be, between being or pushing back against current practices or yeah. some current practices. I don't, I don't want to put everyone in the same basket because they are fantastic stuff coming out of the field. But we wanted to have that kind of balance between pushing back a bit f for people to, 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 to get to think about these issues, mm -hmm. but without hurting too, too many people. And I think this is something I learned from the Gold Rush paper, which was a bit more antagonistic. And I and I promise the early draft submitted was much more antagonistic than the final than what one we've published. seen. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Excited um, to see the first draft. I know, I know. Now we all want to see the first draft. Ah, that's um, it's hidden somewhere. Um, <laughs> Treasure hunt. Uh, but yes, no. I mean, I think it. It. I, I'm very grateful to all those people who, who've mm. commented and and and, and raised those issues. Yeah, but what what challenges do you think we're gonna face as we drive this change? You know, Jake, you you are kind of yeah. on the ground. You know, you do a lot of research on the ground from practical point. Of uh, Jake, Jake is the best community worker I've ever worked with. <laughs> oh, you're putting me under pressure here. <laughs> but um, yeah, this is uh, this is quite a challenge um, because. Um, I'm speaking from a uh, from the point of view of someone who is uh, um, who's a scholar or who is uh, who is a researcher from a developing country mm. like uh, like the Philippines, um, and uh, we always this uh, we always see this kind of 
relationship, especially when we work with uh, with um, um, foreign researchers. Uh, and as Jason said, I'm not really. Uh, if you look at my background, I'm trained as half trained in France, and then but did most of my research in the Philippines. But going back to your question, I think it's 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 challenging. It's challenging because it. Uh, um, it challenges that it challenges the dominant practice where, um, uh, like for instance, in the Philippines, where you always have to work with uh, with the foreign researchers because they have the funding to mm. to do it, and I find that um, you know on the one side, I, I think there is this there's really the tendency to have this kind of relationship where it is the research is driven by we call outsiders in the manifesto or uh, in the inside out uh, agenda paper uh, because on the one side you have uh, well in the developed countries really the funding the conducive environment for research and you can do it anywhere well not really anywhere but uh, you can choose the location mm. on the one side you have uh, uh, researchers scholars in developing countries or what they call the global south uh, or whatever classification they use but uh, so you have that kind of uh, academic structure where, you know, they're, they're the, the scholars or academicians in, in developing countries rely very much on uh, the funding from the, from the developed countries. But, um, and there, is, there seems to be uh, uh, that kind of relationship is kind of supported by, by the funding by the international funding uh, scheme, like uh, uh, we can we can think of several funding institutions that uh, you know that encourage collaboration between. Of course, that's good that the word collaboration, but in the end, there are made, there are fine details there that uh, where we ended up or we end up or we tend to end up uh, uh, having this kind of an equal uh, relationship mm. between. Outsiders and inside uh, scholars, but of course, we also have uh, to think about that. Uh, yeah, that uh, terminology is uh, who is outsider, who mm. is insider, and we have discussed that I think in several uh, papers, and uh, um, those are I think some of the points that we need to think about it. But yeah, in terms of challenge, it's challenging because you have to uh, really challenge that. Uh, that existing or dominant uh, academic structure, and uh, there seems to be nothing wrong about it. But you know, uh, uh, when I, when I when people talked about it, it seems logical, it seems um, yeah. fair. But uh, it's, there's something in it that put us in this situation. This uh, we ended up with something that we don't want. We don't right. think about. That we don't want uh, when we first uh, think about that project, for instance. Yeah, the unintended consequences, yeah, which yeah. unfortunately. I think you're right. I mean, it's very much challenging the, the whole research funding system uh, because at the moment, I mean, all the funding bodies don't necessarily push in the direction uh, mm. that mm. the manifesto is suggesting. So 
this is one challenge it's to to change that that funding system and, and encouraging more partnership between um yeah outsiders mm. insiders i agree with you it's uh, and it's been very much challenged but yeah encourage this this relationship it's not really much the case at the moment uh it's mm. also about the, the publishing mm. um yeah. system as well i mean i think when you're especially young younger researchers i mean you're forced to publish in those journals that have high impact when sometimes you could choose a journal that will have a um, higher impact you know a local journal that will, mm. will have more impact at least uh on the ground where you're supposed to you know benefit um contribute to, yeah, to the area and so this system is not really uh, made to actually promote promote that again i mean uh, you would tend to 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 publish in those high-impact journals rather than those, those local journals or, or try to disseminate your findings in channels that are benefiting more the, the local people. And I think, I mean, s speaking more as a, uh, you know, someone, I mean, I'm doing most of my research in the Pacific, for example, uh, the Pacific Island region, so I'm, I'm, I'm an outsider for sure. Um, yeah, I think it's... Um, it's but uh, you're a surfer. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, that's, <laughs> that's it, yeah. <laughs> that's not a factor yeah, that surely drives some of the fieldwork. Yeah. <laughs> I think one of the things I want to say is that it can be challenging sometimes to, um, to also, uh, well, you're kind of forced to fit in that system as well. So sometimes you have those those projects that appear and you're asked to be involved in those in those projects mm -hmm. and as a young researcher it's hard to say no because yeah. you have to build your profile uh of publication showing that you're 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 part of those yeah of those uh, funded initiatives and so again as a, i mean i'm not young but i'm i'm a young researcher <laughs> i just had a life before i can very young <laughs> i just had very a life young. i like yeah, this yeah yeah, yeah you want <laughs> me to say i'm the older in the room the oldest in the room here okay, okay oh. that's <laughs> and tanya is not even here you know <laughs> but so yeah it's it's hard to say no because of that so even though you have those those you know uh, those motives, this willingness to uh, to to put forward the ideas mm -hmm. that are in the manifesto, such as more partnership, more you know collaboration with local researchers, uh, it can be hard because of that, because you have no choice but to fit in this system. Mm. And maybe another challenge, and again, I'm I'm speaking as mm -hmm. someone who's maybe uh, I mean consider himself as an outsider is sometimes making the right connection. I mean, if you're well established, you have you know a lot of yeah, a lot of time working in the field. Um, you're probably more grounded and aware of those of those key people in the country. This at the moment there's no platform. I mean, yes, we have the conference. Yes, we have those some of those um, platforms that exist to make links with people, but really it takes time. So um, that's that's to me that's something that can be at least a challenge when you're when you don't have twenty years of, of experience working on the field. Mm. Um, I mean, there's more, there's more challenges yeah. than this. Uh, you know, we, I guess we've been talking for a while now about that. It's not just about outsider and kind of local people, but there are power relationships inside the field as mm -hmm. well. You know, so people we meet at the conferences are not necessarily yeah. very often the right people, although they're from the inside. Well, you know, who can access those, those conferences? Right. I mean, when you look Precisely. at how much it costs, right. you don't see those local emerging researchers being able to 
be able to afford eight hundred dollar, right? You know, to <laughs> yeah. register. So yeah. mm. that's yeah. an issue. But I, I think you hinted to an important point here. I mean, it's not about insiders versus outsiders per se. It's about the power relations. Mm. Um, and I think that may be misinterpreted from the paper, as it was from the uh, from the Gold Rush paper mm. initially. We are not suggesting, and I I speak on my own behalf, but I'm pretty sure everyone uh, mm. is on the same page here. We are not suggesting that it's only about local researchers or, or, or researchers who are affected. It's about researchers coming from places not affected to support them. Mm. It's not about isolating local researchers and, 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 and just throwing the, the outside researchers out of the window. Yeah. No, yeah. it's about supporting because local yeah. researchers, for many different reasons, won't have all the time, all the skills required to unpack all the issues uh, in the field, to answer all the important questions, to inform response and uh, recovery in the long term. So it's a matter of finding the right power balance where outsiders, quote marks, uh, come and support rather than come and lead. Mm. So we have to make that clear, I think. Yeah. And, 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 and as well, it doesn't mean, it's not because we are suggesting that there's an issue with uh, outside researchers coming that uh, it, it, that the locals who are affected um, are vulnerable or helpless or traumatized by disasters. We're not suggesting that that outside researchers kind of add some trauma, add mm. some yeah. uh, add some uh, burden to those affected. Because I know it's been misunderstood as well. Yeah. No, this is exactly the opposite argument we're trying to make. It's because the locals have these resources, have these skills, have these these capacities, have this. Uh, energy post disaster to actually lead the research. So, how are we going to address all these challenges? You know, what it is we need to do to drive this forward, to break the challenges, to actually make the manifesto a reality for everyone, not just for, you know, not for a few, for many, not for a few. <laughs> it's to everyone, I mean, yeah, a question I mean, to they, everyone. Yeah. They, 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 I think there are different levels of commitment here. I mean, there's a personal, there's a personal commitment. And personally, I've already declined uh, joining proposals and yeah. projects because I don't feel like it was in sync with with what I'm arguing for in the manifesto. So there's a personal commitment to live up to our uh, ideas and, 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 and epistemologies. Then there are other upper scale kind of initiatives. So the first one I can, I can mention here, and it's kind of a, a, a scoop as today of recording, uh, which is that we are going to um, use our journal, uh, Disaster Prevention and Management, published by uh, the very supportive Emerald, to vehicle these ideas. So we're going to, within two years, reshuffle the, the editorial policy to make it fit our, our manifesto ideas. 
so trying to break away from the very normative uh, approach to structuring academic papers, which is templated after after the the way we do it in anglophone uh, anglophone streams of literature. Uh, we're gonna um, stick to the peer review process for sure. Authors shouldn't be um, worried about that, but we should be. Uh, I mean, the quality of the the journal is going to be the same, but in, we're gonna be more open to uh, other views. We're gonna try to probably publish the short papers Jake was uh, editing to early. Uh, mm. It's kind of voices from the community yeah. uh, yeah. paper, hopefully to be written by locals or local practitioners. English editing uh, for these without peer review. We really want uh, those voices to be to be vehicle into the academic environment uh, without all the strings of um, journal publications. Um, we will have uh, other formats um, like case studies, policy briefs, um, potentially blogs as well. Uh, so we're gonna use that that avenue to channel our or to open up a space for um, for local researchers to uh, to publish uh, yeah. without all the strings that usually come with uh, anglophone publications. Yeah. That that's one level, and then there's another level um, that uh, we are discussing with my good friend Laurie Pick from the Natural Hazard Center in in. in in Boulder at the moment, which is to try to pull researchers together around uh, a code of conduct, uh, more focused on, on, on post-disaster research. But um, Laurie is leading um, a, a large uh, National Science Foundation pro uh, funded project in the US called Converge, which uh, is meant to um, um, create uh, a network of researchers uh, across social and, and, and natural engineering and medical sciences. Um, so beyond, beyond creating that network, beyond uh, making available everyone's skills and locations known to other researchers, uh, the idea would be to try to, to, to draft a sort of code, of code of conduct that we would all commit to. Mm. Um, and that would guide our research. I mean, volcanologists have their own guidelines already, for example, right. other, I mean, uh, the emergency medics or the nurses uh, have their own kind of ethical guidelines. At the moment, we can't really rely on uh, guidelines from universities because, I mean, take ages to get to get approval usually. Uh, and and if if you want to do research after disaster, it doesn't really work. Time frame doesn't really work. Some countries like the Philippines, like New Zealand, have some sort of national guidelines for post disaster research, but they are not very well known to everyone. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, so we, we 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 can't we can't just expect governments to to, to implement their own guidelines and policies, mm -hmm. and we can't just rely on on, on discipline based guidelines. So we want to to, to go beyond that. So hopefully there will be that kind of upper level initiative to um to get all of us thinking about this because i think so far the manifesto has been mostly uh um a social science uh, yeah, kind of yeah, debate I think so. uh, and i think we need to engage with with others because i mean engineers 
when they come in the field post disaster or even before they have to talk to locals as much as we do mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. not as much as we do but uh they have to talk to local to locals of understanding how buildings uh, moved in the time of, yeah. of an earthquake for example um traditional construction yeah mm. tsunami researchers have to talk to locals to understand how high the run-up was after a tsunami or those kind of things right uh the medics have to talk to locals obviously yeah. so we have to get beyond our own kind of uh, uh esoteric uh <laughs> social sciences space and, and 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 engage with others but i think you're right i mean it's about well, first personal behavior and and i think something to clarify as well is that i mean we, we had some um, critiques, or at least that's how people, you know, interpreted it, was that we were sort of claiming, you know, the signatories claiming that oh, we were doing great things on the field and uh, and yeah. you should do like us, which was not at all what we were saying. Okay, it was it was <laughs> more saying we we are not perfect. We are tending toward toward this. So, um, so we've yeah. made all the mistakes. We are pushing back against. I think this is how we've learned. Precisely. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's about. I mean, behavior and, and I mean, again, the, that's part of the challenge when you're, again, you're a young researcher, how do you, how, how to what extent can you say no, you know, no, I mean, not everyone is like JC, you can, you cannot say no to some project. <laughs> 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 oh, that was a good uh, deep. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's a reality and I think it's good to be aware. I'll break a news afterwards, I promise. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, I personally try as much and, and because I've, I mean, I, I won't mention the project, but I've been, yeah, I've seen some bad practices and I, and I learned, so I'm, I'm really trying to, uh, mm. to apply those principles in the, in the future. Uh, that's for sure. I think then, I mean, the, the, I think the DPM, uh, initiative is, is pretty good and probably journal editors have a, have a stake to play, um, mm. because I mean, if we're coming back this idea of power and, and drawing on epistemology and ontologies that are, um, I don't know if you take the New Zealand context, you know, Maori's, um, Maori's epistemologies should be, uh, it, it's starting to change, but it's not, it's not so much the case. And, uh, and now, I mean, if, if you compare to other, 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 uh, other regions of the world and other, uh, don't really like to use the word culture in that context, but I think Maori researchers are, are far ahead of the game. It is it for is. many of these issues. No, no, it is, but, uh, but. But we had discussions with, yeah, with, you know, Maori researchers who were saying they had, they had still difficulties to publish in journals because those, those are not necessarily recognized. Maori epistemologies are not, are not valued. Yeah. So, um, and I, I don't know how, how you can influence journal editors, but that can be something that is discussed. I mean, in fairness, I mean, uh, uh, some of us, uh, editors of journals uh, in, in the disaster study space met in Geneva during the global platform in May. Right. Um, so, so we are talking to each other. This is something which is on our radar. We should be uh, publishing something soon. And um, yeah, mm. this, I mean, we, we, we're talking, we're not, we're, I mean, we are, I think we are all aware of the issue. Point is, uh, I mean, the, the, yeah, the funders, the, the, the research that is being funded. I mean, maybe there, there could be, uh, yeah, there could be more, more in the guidelines, uh, those aspects, at least being one of the criteria that when, um, 
when when founders look at proposal they are they are valuing i mean i i know mfat is talking about partnership at the moment uh and without necessarily i mean i'm not sure if there's a is there a clear idea of how this could be um working so maybe that's us to to actually put forward <coughs> these ideas and fitting yeah. with with this it's idea of, of yeah. partnership between new zealand and, and the pacific island region for example so yeah these are these are some of the things to explore but the manifesto is not a silver bullet that's for sure i mean it's just yeah. uh, and the manifesto is nothing new right i think this is something important uh yeah. when we know we are somehow reinventing the wheel <coughs> But in the context of disaster studies, where these issues haven't been really uh, discussed, That's a sort same, of yeah. taboo, uh, I think, somehow. Mm. But, I mean, this has been around, I mean, uh, indigenous studies and other um, subfields of what we usually call development studies for ages, for decades. Cultural studies, yeah. Cultural it's studies. Been, uh, it's been around for ages. So we are not, we are, and we are aware of that. And that's an inspiration. Jake, what do, what do you think? Um... Well, for a start, I think um, more people uh, should uh, read this uh, manifesto. Well, both the local and well, the insiders, the outsiders, and you know, to um, to be um, more as uh, as Robert Chambers was always saying, to be more self-aware of what they're doing. Um, uh, and I think at the moment. Uh, the discussion is limited to uh, well to, uh, to to our level, and there are I think uh, um, in 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 many universities in many places even in the NGO community or in the development work community, I think uh, we should try to uh, whenever relevant we should try to talk about this. You know? mm. uh, well, not really inserted in any. In any, in any, in any discussion, but in any relevant discussions, we should try to, to talk about it. I think that's one way to do that, and also, um, and that's I think related to, um, um, you know, to. Uh, uh, I, I'd like to go back to the to the key words of the manifesto. You know, the the power, prestige, and forgotten values, yeah. especially the values. I think. The reason why it's called forgotten values is because, you know, when we enter the academe, there are these established values about, especially in the social science, where we always emphasize ethics, mm-hmm. accountability, uh, upward, downward accountability, as we, as we call them in DRR. And we kind of uh, forget that uh, because, maybe because there are these, uh, I don't know, it's a personal reflection. There is this uh, um, personal and... Uh, could be institutional prestige that we are seeking, that we are, you know, that we are trying to to to, to get. Uh, I I think that's uh, like for instance, just just an example. There are, you know, to get a promotion in the university, um, you need to publish in ISI journals, which are. Uh, do we call that ISI? Yeah? ISI journals, Q, Q, you know, QI high, journals, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the ISI, uh, ISI high-ranking uh, journals yeah. that where you have to pay you know, thirty dollars or forty dollars to get access to one uh, to one journal article, and uh, that's the basis of promotion in in many universities, and um, because it's uh, that's where 
uh, that's the prestige, you know, that is how universities are ranked, how many yeah. citations in high-level journals uh, uh, are, are, how many works of these universities are cited. So, you know, when we seek, when we are focused on those prestige and power, uh, both personal and institutional, we kind of forget those, those, those values. Yeah. And uh, I have to admit, I had those, you know, I had those uh, <laughs> moments where I kind of focused more on publishing the journal, really just finish it and doing nothing afterwards. Yeah. So, um, and, and, and I just, just to mention this, um, we are, I recently encountered this work uh, by uh, Federico Federici and Sharon O'Brien, the colleagues about language needs and yeah. disaster research and disaster risk reduction. Where you know the the, the that language issue is also something that we uh, we tend to 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 forget. Yeah. Where you know um, most of the publications, and I think it's mentioned in the manifesto, where it's very limited to to English. But there are already discussions about it, but they are not really yeah. uh, tangible or concrete uh, actions. And and starting to draw on the. You know, in your bibliography on on, on local localized researchers, and not just using your usual <laughs> usual bibliography. Of books, <laughs> I should say that, but like us, when we always mention Gayam. Yeah. For example. Please cut off the record. So yeah, it's uh, yeah, I think it's part of the. Oh, this thing, digging more the, um, the literature. And I know JC does that actually. I mean, uh, uh, with, uh, with uh, yeah, drawing on, on, on the local epistemologies. And I'm thinking of Marjorie, for example, which, which I, uh, I was impressed with, um, with her presentation and, and drawing on more local methodologies and, and those sort of things. Um, and maybe we should say, I mean, we, we, we were talking about. Uh, doing a, a session uh, at the next JP uh, next year in Brazil, no? Uh, uh, it's the ISA, the International Sociology Association. So it could be... Um, but there will be a also. session, I mean, Victor Marchesini and I are organizing a session there. Mm. So it could be part of, a, of also uh, putting forward this this, this agenda, agenda yeah. and, and having more exposure to those kind of events. Yeah, I think what Jake said, you know, with kind of the language, uh, I think those of us who attempted to translate the manifesto, you know, I personally, so I was translating into Russian, I found it really difficult. I really struggled okay. because I just, you know, even the, the <laughs> even the word disaster, I could not translate because I was, well, A, I was going back to natural disaster, you know, because that's the word we use in Russian and I didn't know how to replace that and sort of kicking myself for it. Um, and I couldn't translate capacities. I couldn't I, even prestige, you know, I kind of struggled with. So there it, and I know we had the conversation French. You guys had the same problem, right? And uh, we're still struggling, I think. There's three of us yeah. trying to get it sorted and we can't. So. Yeah. There's no word yeah. prestige. Ah, no, no, no. The, uh, it's just the, the, the wording and the, yeah, um, okay. yeah. and the, the appropriate tone for right. the, for the yeah. manifesto. It's, it's beyond just the concepts. It's, it's the it is the context and the yeah. meaning, yeah. And Giuseppe had the same in in Italian, and I I looked at Mandarin translation and I kind of thought, oh, well, I would have said that differently, but then that's my opinion. Yeah. I mean, just that, and this is the basic. We can't yeah. even start translating, right? 
And if you would like to do it properly, you would almost have a peer review of this, uh, abs of this Absolutely, absolutely. Well, I like yeah. with Mandarin, so. Yeah, yeah. Well. But I mean, it's, it's a good starter to have a Mandarin, a Japanese, uh, mm. a Portuguese, uh, an Italian, a Bahasa. Spanish. Spanish. Finnish, I think. Uh, uh, Norwegian, oh, I Norwegian, think. Norwegian, right. Um, Portuguese. Russian. Yeah. And hopefully a French version soon. Oh, it's not uh, <laughs> online yet. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's gone on and then off. Yeah. No, no Filipino. Okay. Well, we can. And I think it's been translated into Hindi. It's being translated. Yeah, I think. Being it's, translated. In, it's in the in the pipeline. I think. Yeah. Which is going to be an important one. Yeah, very true. Although, I mean, this is a classic example. Right? If if we push for let's say Hindi, or if we push for let's say Filipino slash Tagalog. We are perpetrating a sort of uh, national colonial, yeah. uh, uh, careful with the words here, um, heritage where mm. it's based on a single language which doesn't reflect the diversity yeah. of mm. local views and, and, and local languages and, and local cultures. I mean, it's, it's very fragmented. I'm not sure that. Uh, uh, let's say a Telugu researcher would buy into the Hindi uh, version in in right. in India, and a Kapampangan researcher in the Philippines wouldn't probably buy into the Tagalog version of it. Yeah, uh, because we have different views and concepts, yeah. and, and 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 I think the same in Latin America. I don't think a Quechua researcher or an Nahuatl researcher <laughs> would would buy into a Spanish the Spanish version the same as. Oh no, for sure. So um, we have to be careful because as Jake nicely emphasized earlier i mean these kind of unequal power relations are reproduced at multiple scales and i'm sure yeah. if we could go down within uh, a very local environment then i mean in south asia you could have the same kind of issues at the at the at the village level where you have multiple castes for example yeah. so it's it's a very difficult um uh, issue to unpack and, and to address yeah well thank you so much it's been absolutely great. I think we've got kind of gold here, really. Um, so, yeah, thank you guys. Thank you. Yeah, so appreciate the time. Yeah, thank you so much. Hope you enjoyed the hike, the Mexican hike. So something else that we wanted to mention before we let you go for today is that we <laughs> are planning um, our final episode of the season, episode 20. And it's going to be a compilation episode looking at the kind of best bits of season one or um, the worst bits of season one or the things that any of you, our listeners, find um, interesting or um radical or whatever so um we'd really love to hear from you as to what should be in that episode we have some ideas and we've talked to um to some of you already about what you think should be on there and we're making a list of yeah um kind of the the best one-liners and the best parts of episodes or the guests that you most enjoyed so please let us know on twitter on our email disastersdeconstructed at gmail.com um, or on Discord. That's another thing yeah. we should mention. Join our Discord community um, and get involved on the 
uh, in the different conversations on the channels on there. We've got special content going up there for Discord members only. Our first recording that's members only is actually up there. We had this an informal discussion with Wes Cheek um, after he featured on the episode 17. So if you're not already on there, please join. Please get involved in the discussion. We also have our book and film group on there. Um, we do. Yeah. yeah. Talk. Tell, tell us about that, Kazania. Oh, um, well, on page, I'm on page 32 of the book uh, right. <laughs> today. Well, so basically, we just thought it would be quite interesting to discuss books and films that are somewhat related to disasters. So the first book I got to choose, yay, um, the privilege of being the co-host of yeah. the podcast, I suppose. Um, and, you know, Jason <laughs> being nice and <laughs> allowing me to choose. And it's a fiction book um, because I'm trying to get Jason to read lots of fiction. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> That's so evil. <laughs> I know, I know. You know, one of the kind of um, <laughs> goals of my life. But yeah, never mind. So it's a, it's, it's a fiction book. Um, hopefully you would all enjoy reading it. And so on Discord, we will be discussing it as we are reading it. And then and then hopefully by the end of November, we will actually have a big conversation about, you know, people's thoughts um and yeah i should probably mention that the book we are reading is the years of rice and salt yeah so if you want to join us and if you want to talk about the book and just share your opinion and see what others thought about the book join us on discord i think it'll be fun but let's see yeah so there's a private channel on discord so if you are um interested in that aspect of joining the group reading the years of rice and salt then let us know so that we can, when you join Discord, let us know that you want to be in the book group because you won't be able to see the discussion until you join the group. And also, if you have any other ideas on how to engage you and other listeners best, please let us know. You know, we are always open for suggestions. At the moment, we're just um, going to episode 20. That's going to be our conclusion of this season. And we're going to have a a break for a couple of months where we might release content for members only on Discord, but we're mm. going to have a break in the main podcast um, until January where we're going to start to release season two. And our break is kind of to um, get a bit of downtime because we're, we've been releasing content every week for 20 weeks um, and it's pretty intense. And um, also to give us a chance to record content for season two. And season two at the moment um, is being created. We're framing it around the narratives and stories of disasters. And we're really excited about that. Um, and we, we're hoping to branch out into talking to more people in communities, more journalists, more um, storytellers. So um, although it's been really great to have lots of um, fascinating researchers on in season one, I think that we need to, to take this in another direction for season two, don't you think? Yeah, yeah absolutely. So again, if you have um, any suggestions, just let us know because we're always happy to engage with new people. Okay, and as always, um, don't forget to follow us on Twitter where we're trying to put out more and more um, content and we're trying to reach out and get discussions going. And on Instagram, both are at disastersdcon.
been listening to Disasters Deconstructed Podcast. I'm Jason Van Medi. And I'm Xenia Chmutina. See you next time. Bye.